0: Welcome to the Space for You podcast. My name is Colleen Parrith and I am with the Space Foundation. The Space for You podcast is designed to tell the stories of the amazing people who make today's space exploration possible. Today we are joined by Ed Rosenthal. Ed Rosenthal is the founder and chairman of the board of Florican ESA. Ed grew up on a farm in Canada, and the last thing that he said he wanted to do when he was younger was work in agriculture. But in 1971, he found himself working for a polymer company in Canada, where he learned the ins and outs of its manufacturing, injection, and molding process. Ed and his wife Betty founded Florican ESA in 1982, and they set out to help growers and farmers make farming more efficient. Today, their sons, Eric and Jonathan, are second-generation owners of the company. As a further introduction, we cannot separate Ed Rosenthal and Florican's achievements. Florican is a 35-year-old control-release fertilizer manufacturing company with a legacy of business success and awards for ethics. Florican has received 13 major awards for ethical business practice, product innovation, job creation, and environmental leadership. One of the few companies in the country with such a vast array of recognition over 35 years. In 2017, Florican was inducted into the Space Foundation's Space Technology Hall of Fame. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ed. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's my honor um, to support Space Foundation and all your wonderful programs.
0: Oh well thank you. Now, as we just talked about and heard in your bio, you've worked in the fertilizer business for nearly 40 years now. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got involved in this field?
1: Yes, and thank you for asking that question. As you you mentioned, uh, I was brought up um, in an agricultural farming family in an area um, called La Chute, a small town in Quebec, Canada. Uh, my mother was American and my dad was Canadian and we ended up living on this farm. So my dad, who had immigrated from, from Europe, he was the farmer and um, I guess he was successful in Romania but he was not very successful, unfortunately, in, uh, in La Chute, Canada. So, so life was really difficult, many, many challenges on a farm Uh, My hope growing up was that one day I could help farmers like my dad find a better way to grow. And that's really what I had hoped for. When I graduated from university, again, as you said in the bio, and and thank you for that, my very first job uh, was at a polymer manufacturing plant. So I did learn polymer chemistry and how to apply polymer chemistry onto uh, nutrients or fertilizer Uh, so farmers could fertilize once per crop rather than multiple applications. So that polymer chemistry that I learned on the job, together with what I knew about uh, nutrients and fertilizer from the farming, created really a breakthrough innovation. And the breakthrough innovation was a controlled release of nutrients, which made the grower more efficient. And we're so, we're so fortunate this resulted in us receiving four patents to Florican, and it's really helped to change agriculture to a more efficient use of nutrients. So it was a difficult road, but at the end of the day, we're all worth it.
0: That is such a wonderful story, you know, to be wanting to help people, um, you know, like your father could have probably used that help uh, when you were younger. So that's such a wonderful inspiration to get started in something like this. Now... So people right now might be wondering, well, what does fertilizer have to do with space? Um, So our listeners may not know that your product has actually been on the International Space Station and used to grow vegetables up there. When did you first imagine that your product would work in space? Oh, my gosh, what a question. And I've written the answer
1: down. We never could realistically plan for that. It's beyond imagination. We knew we had produced a world-class product, and we knew it was growing crops all over the world efficiently. But NASA wanted to grow vegetables in space, and they did some um, very detailed research and uh, funded some research at various universities and did some um, in-house study for many, many years until they determined that the Floracan technology, our technology, was uh, the best, and it's what they selected to grow vegetables in space on the ISS, and our product's been in space since 2014, and we've done a lot of crops successfully, and it, it's... It's just a wonderful achievement for us and also for NASA, NASA, who vetted the technology, reached out to us, and we worked together to grow the vegetables in space. It's quite an achievement.
0: That is really such an amazing feat. Um, Did you ever have a fascination with space prior to launching your product to the International Space Station?
1: Not really. I mean, we were always supportive of, uh, you know, everything our country does. But no, not really. <laughs> I really didn't
0: think about it, no. And, but, you know, that's, I think, one of the things that's so fascinating about it because we all use space in so many different ways and, you know, some people are just so drawn to it and other people, it's maybe not as much of a fascination, but it it really connects all of us together and, you know, I think your product really demonstrates that. So you mentioned yeah, sure. the web- a little about how you got started with NASA, but can you give us a little more background on um, how you got involved with NASA and sending your product to the space station?
1: Yes, it really is a two-stage two story, but um, it, it, it's good for the, the readers to understand this collaboration on how NASA helps private business and how in, in turn private business can give back to NASA, which quite honestly, more companies should. 2004, we we invented a technology called Staged Nutrient Release, or we call it SNR, and it's a timed release fertilizer for feeding plants without using liquid feed. We received a patent on it. I wrote a research paper on it, and um, the new technology for feeding plants won the most innovative new product award of, of the United States of America. From the National Society of Professional Engineers in America, NSPE. It was a I'm just thinking about it, it was such a an unbelievable honor. So this award-winning SNR, without getting into a lot of tech details, it matched the nutrient release in the soil with the crop's uptake pattern. What did the plant need? So SNR improved nutrient efficiency reduced the potential for nutrient runoff in the environment and was so successful as an innovation that received this NSPE most innovative new product award of the USA so the NSPE new product award had a special perk. The perk was 40 hours of research support at any federal agency now this is in 04 and 05 and I knew that NASA was doing experimentation on the shuttle at that time and on astronaut suits by spraying polymers to deflect heat and cold. Anyway, I selected NASA as the federal agency or administration that I wanted research support from. So I was involved with SATOP, which even till today was the most unbelievable outreach that NASA could have given a private company. We're so grateful, and SATOP is Space Alliance Technology Outreach Program at Kennedy Space Center. If any of your listeners don't know what SATOP is, they should Google it. So the SATOP Kennedy Space Center research, it, it helped us to improve the polymer coating on stage nutrient release to make it even a more efficient control of nutrients. And that gives us the ability to say that Floracan controlled release fertilizer mask the spin-off technology. So spin-off means as you said, what works in space we were able to get access to that technology and help to improve the fertilization on Earth. That's what NASA is all about.
0: And as we've been saying you know this, The fertilizer that is time released um, that you all designed was used on the space station. And you've done, you know, this work with, you know, SATOP. Can you tell us about the moment you learned your fertilizer would be used to help grow the first vegetable, not only grown, but eaten in space? Yes. In 2013, we received
1: a contact us um, email request on our website from uh, Dr. Massa at uh, Kennedy Space Center and we were invited to consult with the veggie team at Kennedy Space Center tasked with the growing of fresh vegetables in space for supplementing of the astronaut diet as well as enhancing life support system. So when when we received that request, we immediately responded in a positive way and I've been working closely with the a space plant biology veggie team at Kennedy Space Center ever ever since 2013. That's when we found out that NASA was considering our product to be used in space, but we then found out that NASA had uh, funded a very rigorous research study, which had already published a peer-reviewed paper, which found the conclusion that the Floracan Nutricote 1868 fertilizers were, quote, the most effective, and this was in the body of the research finding, was the most effective at delivering the steady state of release of nutrients from 20 degrees C all the way to 30 degrees C. So you're talking 77 degrees Fahrenheit to over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So for NASA to have the ability to feed fertilizers with a consistent release at all these temperatures was a significant plus so we're very proud to say that we're part of the space plant biology program and uh, assisting nasa in maturing veggie technology using the fluorocan controlled release fertilizer on the IFS, which can provide future space pioneers with what's really needed a sustainable food supplement which uh, i'll have to say is a critical part of NASA's future space flights. Um, the Mars mission, for example, it's a seven month journey at least. And seven months without any ability to resupply the uh, colonists, the astronauts, they're going to have to grow their own food. So, if this veggie technology that we're now working on is going to keep the sustainable food supplement part of uh, mission assurance for them to get to Mars. So it's really an important. If we're if we're going to Mars, we have to feed our
0: astronauts. Absolutely, I mean that is critical. Like you mentioned, it's you know at least seven months to get there, and you know we you can't just send another rocket behind it with food and supplies and that sort of thing. So it's going to be you know completely critical. Now we mentioned at the beginning here that in two thousand and seventeen. Uh, FloraCAN was actually inducted into our Space Technology Hall of Fame along with NASA Kennedy Space Center. How did that feel?
1: It's one of the proudest moments of my life, certainly. We're we're at Florican so proud to be collaborating with NASA to develop this fresh food sustainable system for astronauts in space. But to be inducted with Kennedy Space Center and SATA, Space Technology Hall of Fame it's, it's one of those it's, it's really hard to describe the feeling of pride and gratitude in the same moment but that's that's what we felt uh, standing there next to Director Cabana and and uh, Karen Thompson the Chief Technology Officer at the Kennedy Space Center it was quite an honor and you know we work closely with Dr. Nassau and Dr. Wheeler and Trent Smith and the whole veggie team. Dr. Wheeler who's a uh, at Kennedy Space Center, he said something very significant to us, which I've always remembered, and I'd like to read it. He said, "Florican has been a great partner in our pursuit of developing reliable plant and food production systems for the ISS as we press on with human exploration of space." When Dr. Wheeler and the team came to visit our Florican plant, we had a meeting, and he he also said to me that our expertise that helped to advance their research significantly. So those type of compliments make us feel so proud, even more prouder to be involved with such wonderful researchers as these people at NASA. I just can't say enough good things about them. They're so intelligent and they're so gifted. And yet every time I talk to them, they make me feel that I'm kind of almost equal to them. I'm not, they're they're way smarter than me but they're down-to-earth wonderful researchers and scientists who, who just are so open to new ideas and new technology that it makes working with them quite a privilege
0: absolutely and you know from you know just our conversation alone i would say you certainly do belong and as equals with them you know this is not something that you get in just any fertilizer you know this is something that you've really put your heart and soul into and i think that definitely shows through with your product um, you've got a couple of different products and different technologies. Galaxy One and NutraCoach are two of those, and those two technologies have actually been certified as space technologies by us here at the Space Foundation as part of our space certification programs. Can you explain these technologies in layman's terms for our listeners?
1: Sure. Thank you. So we at Florican, what we do is we engineer... Specialized polymer coatings that can encapsulate nutrients, and the key is the encapsulation. So we're not applying free nutrients that can uh, dissolve in the in in the rain, or you know, basically heat and cold can play havoc to. So the encapsulation basically um, controls the nutrients and makes them um, deliver very very slowly through the coating. This in turn optimizes the plant nutrition and the plants get the nutrition they need as they need it, which means that the plants are pulling it up you get an, a reduction of environmental impact, which is important. You know, you want the fertilizer to be in the plant and not to leach away. So so the encapsulation of the nutrients is the critical technology. Ours is a cross-linked polymer, so it's basically Got two type of molecules that link together, which basically control both the polymer on the fertilizer and how to fertilize your releases. That's as simple as I as I can make it. It's, it's the encapsulation on the nutrients is the technology.
0: Okay, and that's something, and you kind of hit on this just a little that you know some people may not be familiar with, especially if they've you know, never fertilize even their lawn, that the the time release is really what's important because, for one, you don't want to lose the product because then it's not doing its job for the plant, but it can uh, have environmental impacts as well, correct?
1: Yes. It's really important to apply the exact amount or as close to the exact amount the plant's going to need and to put it where you want it around the plant. Of course, in space, we put it exactly, you know, in our grow boxes, you know, in the media. But the idea is not to broadcast fertilizer, not to just throw it out willy-nilly, but to use a technology like ours, which is the encapsulation, where the fertilizer releases very controlled over a period of time. We have 100-day, we have 180-day release, and it's a very straight-line release. So what happens is the plants get the fertilizer as they need it, They're able to metabolize it, be very healthy, and there's a reduction of environmental impact, which are really important because if too much fertilizer is applied, it can go into waterways and, you know, the result can be water quality issues like algae bloom and so on. So we tried tried to just provide a product which was going to help the farmer be so efficient that we get a reduction in environmental impact
0: that's just incredible i mean such a technology um you know i would definitely say that you know the awards you've won i think you've made it very clear that very deserving of that there's so much thought behind it that it's not just a product to make money but to make things better
1: i would say i'm sorry i just wanted to comment i think i think um you know, we'll probably talk about it later, but that environmental uh, impact issue, we, we took it really seriously. When Florican was named as a company in 1982 by Betty and myself, we called it Florican ESA. And the ESA stands for Environmental Sustainable Agriculture, back in 1982. So all of our work, all of these past 40-something years, has been to create environmentally sustainable agriculture so you're going to love this because the fertilizer was developed under those premises to um, both help the grower uh, become more efficient and also reduce environmental impact the us epa united states environmental protection agency both in 2005 and again in 2008 awarded us the environmental leadership award called the Gulf Guardian Award. And Gulf Guardian is from a program administered by the US EPA. We're the only fertilizer ever to receive the Gulf Guardian Award once. And we received it twice. There's no other fertilizer company um, that has ever been so honored. And typically, fertilizers in the EPA are at odds. You know, it, it's like, what can you do? to force the industry to use nutrients better. Well, in our case, we just were using the encapsulation technology, and the EPA determined we deserve the Gulf Guardian Award. So that's on top of being inducted into the Space Technology Hall of Fame. We have twice been recognized by the United States Environmental Protection Agency. So that's pretty big.
0: That is absolutely huge, and definitely kudos um, to you and your team, your family for, for doing that. It's just so wonderful to see you know companies like that that care. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Now, one thing that I'm really curious about is you know it, it was a really big deal when the astronauts first ate you know that lettuce on the international space station got you know worldwide attention did you get any feedback from the astronauts regarding your product that's such a great
1: question we were hoping um but we got we got it like kind of um i i guess second-handed because if the vegetables were not grown right they wouldn't have tasted good so they wouldn't have been successful and what we heard from the astronauts is that they really enjoyed the taste of the fresh-grown vegetables on ISS. And in in particular, there's a very uh, nice video on the first lettuce crop on ISS, which, by the way, was outrageous red romaine lettuce. That was the first crop grown on ISS. And um, the the historic date was August 10th, 2015. Scott Kelly had uh, participated in growing the lettuce and harvesting the lettuce, and on that particular day, he tasted it, and his comment was, his famous comment on the video, he said, this is good, and then he said, tastes like arugula. And that's so amazing, because, because lettuce that tastes like arugula means it's very nutrient-dense and it's grown properly. So that was the kind of feedback we got, that the astronauts really enjoyed growing the vegetables in space. And they loved the harvesting and the eating of fresh vegetables. So um, it just made us feel really, really great that the astronauts in, enjoyed it, didn't mind doing all the work to to grow and harvest it because they're busy people, and then enjoyed the taste. It Doesn't get better than that, you know. He didn't have to say your fertilizer was great. What he <laughs> said was, what he said was, this is good. It tastes like arugula. So we say that's a big success
0: <laughs> yeah. i would certainly take that as a compliment for sure <laughs> yeah yeah now we've kind of talked about some of the commercial use of your products um are any of your products available to the general public and if so where might they be able to purchase them
1: yes thank you the um the wholesale products are available to our distributors and we have distributors across the country for the 50 pound bag but if you're, if you're, which, you know, they can just contact Florican and Florican will tell them who the big distributors for agriculture are in their area. But as far as retail is concerned, uh, the retail brand um, for our partner is called Dynamite Plant Food. You know, they take our actual fertilizer and then repackage it into two pound and one pound containers. The Dynamite Plant Food is available at the Home Depot and Lowe's. And um the fluorican controlled release fertilizer can also be found on Amazon. So Home Depot, Lowe's, and Amazon and for large quantities or fifty pound bags and up, um, we can get them to our agricultural distributors. They just need to, to send us an email or call us up. Okay.
0: Now, um, the fluorican CRF is a NASA spin-off technology, which you mentioned earlier. What are the applications for the fluorican CRF used on the International Space Station to improve agriculture here on Earth? Yeah, that's another very good question. So
1: be- because we found that in space the product could, could work in very small areas and without a lot of water, um, in other words, it had to be so efficient, we found that not only in conventional agriculture methods or also growing in pots but there's a there's a new industry taking hold in agriculture called vertical farming and that's where you stack the vegetables whether it be lettuce cabbage tomatoes you stack it up four or five high and our controlled release fertilizer mixed into the media works tremendously well in this vertical farming. As a result instead of growing just one lettuce on the ground if you're vertical farming you can produce four or five lettuces out of that same growth space out of that same uh, square foot area. So that's a lot more food for a growing population on earth. So the vertical farming on earth basically was uh, commented on by NASA in an article they published in Fertilizer Focus and uh, it's okay. I'll just I'll just read that to you. It says, as NASA furthers its investigation into the complicated science of space agriculture, they, meaning Florican, can use the same technologies to create positive solutions on Earth, and that's what vertical farming is. Is is that similar farming uh, on ISS where you put the fertilizer into the media? You have a grow box. Here on Earth, you can stack up the baskets, think of them as small grow boxes, and you go from there. So we're very excited.
0: Okay. So what would be some of the differences of growing veggies in space compared to growing them on Earth? I mean, obviously there's a few obvious ones such as you know the gravity issue, but are there other challenges? What else is different?
1: Well, it's, this is the team at Kennedy Space Center who overcame these challenges, and they were um, significant. And all the scientists deserve all the credit for this. But microgravity, of course, was the big difference. That was a challenge. Light, there there's virtually no light that you can depend on to grow food. And uh, the NASA scientists had to come up with what light system would could be used on ISS that could grow the vegetables. That took a lot of research by by one of the scientists to basically develop uh, the light system that would work. You know, it ended up being a combination of blue and red wavelengths, which create this pinkish light, which uh, is what provides the good plant growth. So basically the ability to grow vegetables indoor was created by nasa's discovery of the combination of the red and blue light which by the way you could use those same leds inside a a tractor trailer here on earth or in somebody's classroom and basically have the same results so again that light development that on iss that grows vegetables has tremendous applications on earth to grow food literally indoors water the water behavior on surfaces There's a great video, um, Commander Chris Hadfield, of what water does in space, which I invite everyone to go on NASA.gov and just click on that, but the water basically uh, adheres to surfaces, it it, it will float, and uh, the NASA uh, Kennedy Space Center team had to figure out how to get water to stay at the root systems. We don't send soil into space, so remember... There's no light, microgravity basically the water is behaving differently than on earth and no soil you know, we can't have bacteria in space so we need an inert substance so we had to come up with a replacement for soil and then my technology the nutrient solubility the solubility of each fertilizer nutrient changes in space so we had to solve that with the, with the encapsulation and the controlled release all of these changes make the roots go crazy and the root configuration, yeah, the roots of the plant, they go up, they go sideways, they go everywhere. We want them to grow down. So there were all of these challenges. And to think about it, that this group of scientists at Kennedy Space Center overcame them all to grow vegetables in space, kudos to that team. It's quite something. We're proud to be part of it, but honestly... The light from one of the researchers, Dr. Matt Nicken, I believe, the water behavior, Dr. Massa, Dr. Wheeler, the, the selection of the media by the whole team, quite the wonderful group of researchers being successful.
0: Now, and that kind of brings me to my next question of thinking, so there's, there's all these other factors, but then we also have to look at the type of... Plant, or in this case, vegetable that was grown. Did you have any input into what was grown on the International Space Station, or how was how was lettuce chose to be the winner? Yeah.
1: Well, first, I'll just comment on um, on the root system because whatever plant was going to be selected, the roots needed to be retrained to grow down, and if you have a gravity signal. The roots generally grow down, but on the ISS, because of the microgravity, the roots were growing in a variety of directions. So, Dr. Massa and the team came up with these veggie plant pillows. The plant pillows—it's great to read about them on NASA.gov. But the roots are enclosed in these plant pillows, which contain the media, contain the fluorocan fertilizer, and basically, what happens is the roots are signaled grow down within this pillow. So the roots are kind of retrained to grow like they do on Earth. That's a huge innovation that made all this possible. So the plant pillows were the first thing that had to be created in order for any vegetable to grow in space. We've got to get the roots to go in the medium, find the fertilizer, and then um you know get going. As far as the selection of the plant species, you know, that was done by the plant Uh, physiologists at Kennedy Space Center really we were just uh, given the fertilizer to develop and 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 which we did to help them but um, they had a general uh, criteria for which veggie species selection was going to be grown in space and I'll just read them to you the the species had to have reliable quick germination. very important you can't have somebody going to Mars and then oh, gee, we only got 50% germination. Not not going to happen. It's got to be reliable, quick germination. High edible biomass. That means in a small space like on ISS, you want to have a plant that's going to have a higher biomass outside of the roots. It's going to create more food to eat. That's called high edible biomass. Low native microbial levels. That means that plants are not going to get ill. They're not going to need chemicals they're not going to get they're not going to become sick plants in space so it has to have low native microbial levels and high antioxidants and the high antioxidants i found really interesting because if somebody's eating this food and that's all they're eating going on a long a long-term space trip um, they don't want to get sick from their food and rather they want the food to give them more health and so that's what the species selection was all about to To have the astronauts have healthy food, food that wouldn't get them sick and that wouldn't, you know, basically the plants wouldn't get sick and they wouldn't make the astronauts sick, and then grow a lot of food in a small space and make sure that the germination was reliable and quick. So... Those were the criteria that the plant species were selected. They ended up with the outrageous red romaine lettuce, was the first one that fit all these criteria. That's been grown on ISS several, several times successfully. Uh, Tokyo bacana was the cabbage that was, that was selected. And then there's a Mizuna mustard green um, and other plant species. But all of them have to fit these four criteria to be grown in space.
0: And those criteria make, you know, perfect sense, especially as you kind of explain them of, you know, it needs to be able to survive. Some plants thrive and some you really have to give a lot of love and care to to make them grow. So, you know, that all really makes a lot of sense of why they would choose, you know, the lettuce or the cabbage and those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, which lettuce though? That was the key. In other words, one lettuce was selected, not five. Mm -hmm. So one lettuce, one lettuce, the uh, red romaine lettuce was selected. And then the Tokyo Bacana cabbage and et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't like we had here on Earth uh, a huge number of plant species that could qualify. There may be others, but these were the ones that basically uh, the NASA space plant biology team were able to say, these have these criteria, and let's let's use them and grow them in space first. So it's quite the
0: honor for those particular seed companies as well to be selected. Oh, absolutely! And you—you you received awards for having this have happened in space, um, and I would consider it as you know an unofficial award really to have been selected and to have accomplished all these things but we've mentioned a couple of times now that Florican has received numerous awards over the years, and we've talked about a few of them. Is there any one or two in particular that stand out as particularly special to you?
1: Well, we mentioned the Gulf Guardian Award from the program administered by the US EPA for environmental leadership in 05 and 08. That's certainly one that will uh, always make me proud of the ESA mission of our company, Environmentally Sustainable Agriculture. Then of course the National Most Innovative New Product Award for the whole country from the National Society of Professional Engineers in in 2004 was a great honor. But there is one more. We received 13 awards for ethical business practices and doing the right thing for our customer. But I'd say 1992 there was a hurricane called Hurricane Andrew that devastated a lot of our customers in South Florida, south of Miami, an area called Homestead. We had hundreds and hundreds of growers who were using our fertilizer product in Homestead, and Hurricane Andrew was a Category Five storm, and it just it, it, it just destroyed that market area. We, as a company, launched the recovery effort and brought them supplies. Shade cloth, food, water. We literally put the industry back in business again with our recovery. And we were named by the American Red Cross as the corporate hero of Hurricane Andrew for what we did to help all those people and customers. And for us, that's probably it. You know, If you could say you were there for your customer, your, your, uh, your grower, on the day that they really needed you, and you're able to hold their hand and pull them back onto their feet so that they could get their business back I say that with the American Red Cross and working together and seeing that industry come back from that devastation that probably is it that's my proudest award
0: absolutely I would probably agree with you I think that would be extremely humbling and you know, it's about doing the right thing. So, you know, congratulations to you on that and really all of the awards um, that you. you've won and, you know, you and your organization. You know, you. we've been talking so much um, between all the different space agencies really around the world, the private ones, the government space agencies, about going to Mars. You know, Mars, and we've kind of talked about that, you know, it's seven months just to get there and they're going to need food but what about when they're there? Is can doing any sort of research for what nutrients would be needed for a Martian fertilizer?
1: We don't think we have to do a specialized Martian fertilizer because it's really interesting. When we we talked about the media selection, you know, um, that we couldn't send soil to the ISS to grow plants. We had to select a media that was inert. Silica clay was selected as the media we use on the ISS to grow vegetables, and it was complicated because silica clay is not commonly used to grow vegetables on earth, and it required a different fertilizer, different water. Silica clay has a very high CEC, which is cation exchange capacity, which means the ability, uh, in, in layman's terms, the ability of the of the nutrients that are in the media to get into the plant, so silica clay very high CEC. See? see, It also holds moisture. Anyway, make a long story short, we were able to grow the vegetables in silica clay on ISS. Now, last year, we have a rover on Mars called Curiosity, and Curiosity went to an area of Mars uh, that it hadn't been to before. drilled down into the Martian environment, pulled up, you know, some of the soil or the media on Mars, digested it, and sent us back, or sent back the results to NASA. And guess what happens to be on Mars?
0: Silica clay. Silica clay.
1: (laughs) So... Either somebody at NASA has really got a good hunch for what Mars is made of, or maybe it was an orbital, but it's right on the money. Make a long story short, what is being used on ISS can be the basis of it. will have to be fine-tuned for sure, but the fact that silica clay is there, we just have to continue to ensure that the Florican CRF feeds the plants efficiently. But if silica clay is the media on mars it's on iss we can continue those experiments and i think that gives them a good chance to be able to grow food on mars obviously they'll have to be under a dome because of the oxygen and to deflect some of the radiation but the fact that the media is there so we're not going to have to send not possible send rocket ships of of soil or something from Earth, that's not possible. So the fact that that silica clay is there, the fact that silica clay is being used on ISS, those are very significant. So it's a big positive. Of course, we know there's water on Mars. You know, so you have that, you have water, you have silica clay, you have certain organic molecules that have been found in the Martian surface. So all in all, it sounds, and I'm sure it's not gonna be a very simple turnkey, but it's gonna be possible for us to have colonists survive on Mars. So far, so good.
0: That is really exciting, just to think that we might have everything we need just to to go. Like you said, it's not a turnkey, um, necessarily. There's still work to be done, but that's really exciting, and I'm sure for you know, the kids that are going to be those astronauts who put their first foot on Mars to think, well, at least I can have a vegetable garden when I, when I get up there after a little bit of work. So that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, I, I'm thinking more like they're going to have to set up those um, vertical farming and use the silica clay i'm just thinking outside the box mm-hmm. you know ye- you know take some of the water that's found on mars run it through a, an ro system so they can get rid of any of the impurities or the salt or whatever so they would have potable and good water to to drip onto their plants if you're doing vertical farming you could have you know the seeds that would come obviously would come from earth the silica clay Hopefully it's on the Martian planet, you mix in some of the flora controlled release and they might have the ability to grow their own food. We won't know till we get there, but all indications are we're on the right track. And that's all due to Kennedy Space Center, all due to these brilliant researchers that I have the privilege of working with.
0: That's very awesome, and I have to say this conversation has really been awesome as well. You know, to, to think there's so many things, like I said really at the beginning, that, you know, space and Earth, there's a lot of interchangeable pieces in it, and sometimes it just takes some adapting, but we really can't have one without the other, and the work that Florican is doing and that you're doing are really helping take us to that next step. So, we do appreciate your time so much. You've been a wonderful guest, and I know that our listeners have probably enjoyed this just as much as I have today.
1: Thank you so much. We also are very grateful to Space Foundation. What a wonderful organization, and and we thank you for inducting us into the Space Technology Hall of Fame. As I said, it's my greatest honor. It's a privilege for us to support Space Foundation and uh, to give lectures on your programs we just go from here but um what you did for us in 2017 to acknowledge our work will never be forgotten thank you very much
0: like i said it is certainly well deserved and again we really appreciate having you on the show today
1: thank you so much for the opportunity i hope the readers and listeners like what they're going to hear if there's any questions they can uh, send it in um, to our website at com, and we'll be sure to answer them.
0: Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much, Ed. And that concludes this episode of the Space Foundation's Space for You podcast. Keep your eyes and ears open for more Space for You episodes by checking out our social media outlets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, on our website at www.spacefoundation.org. On all of these outlets and more, it's our goal to inspire, educate, connect, and advocate for the space community. Because at the Space Foundation, we will always have space for you. Thank you for listening.